This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 8, Episode 15. This no excuses narrative rhythm 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and we're not that smart i'm dan i'm brandon i'm howard i'm not convinced (laughs) (laughs) also i have to confess i don't actually know what we're talking about so we are talking about um the way you shake up your narrative at various points in order to help your rhythm or slow the book down or potentially make the um, the reader stop and ask questions or make them continue on through it very quickly at, at speed. And you do this by juggling action sequence versus sequence of argument versus conversation versus um, introspection. And where you place these things in a story can really help enhance how the rhythm of your story is going to feel. One of the first places I learned about this was actually a college class I took about musical theater and discussing, you know, why do you have songs in a play? You know, why don't you just do the play? Mm-hmm. And they started looking at different plays and say, well, in this one, the songs serve this purpose, and in this one, they serve this purpose. And uh, uh, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum, which is a just outright farce, screwball mm-hmm. comedy. The songs in there are a respite. They give you a break from the just breakneck pace of this crazy story. You get a slow down for three or four minutes while they sing a song and catch your breath, and then it's back into the madness again. And the challenge with the slowdown is to do it in such a way that people don't get bored and put the book down and walk away right, from exactly. it. Right, exactly. But there are times when an audience needs a break in order for you to continue ratcheting the tension up. I feel that this is strongly dependent on the type of story you're writing and yes. the length. Uh, for instance, a shorter story, as happens in uh, thrillers, a short novel thriller, um, you need much, you need breaks much less frequently. Mm-hmm. In fact, you may not need one at all. Uh, some thrillers can happen where it's boom, 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 and you you gasp at the end of it. But you know, you read it in all basically one sitting, and it works. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. mentioned uh, Dean Koontz's book Intensity mm-hmm. as an example of that, where he deliberately set out. See, now I think I know what we're talking about. Yep. He set out to write something that instead of being scene sequel format was mm-hmm. just scene, 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 scene. And if there was any time spent reacting and recovering to the previous action, mm-hmm. it was spent at a dead run. And a third of the way through the book, I realized I can't keep this up. And so I just skipped to the end and read the end. Um, was it a successful yeah. thing that he did? Well, not really for me, but but he's Dean Koontz. Yeah, I do know, think that I'll, even the best the highest level of thrillers are going to manage this in some way. Mm-hmm. If you go watch the, the film The Dark Knight, which I think is truly a thriller, it's a really great thriller, um, it's, it may be my favorite, there is a little bit of up and down in narrative flow. Even though it's basically one big, long, tense um, mm-hmm. adrenaline fest, there are moments where you've got tense conversation instead, or there's moments where you, you, know, you, you pull back a little bit and it's, it's Alfred and Batman, or things like this. Yeah, or even in, uh, in The Avengers. Yeah. Uh, you know, when they're in this giant, mm-hmm. giant battle scene, the reason that they will pop in and have a moment of dialogue in yes. the middle of the fight, and usually a m- moment of funny dialogue, yes. is to give you that breather before they throw you back into the nonsense. Yeah, and action. I think The Avengers is a perfect example of this because there is so much rhythm to that movie, mm-hmm. and he hits those, those rhythm beats really perfectly. Um, 
And the reason that you have those beats in a, you know, in a thriller or an action movie like that are because they make the highs more meaningful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If everything were all paced at the same level, it may as well be a low level as a high level because it right. doesn't matter. You're not right. going to have any of that variance. But if you take times to slow down or to drop or whatever, then when you go back up again, it's going to be that much more effective. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, if you if you do the right kind of drop, it can have the same sort of punch as when an airplane drops. Mm-hmm. That you know that there are places where the the slowdown is is as gut wrenching as the the full steam ahead. Now let's say we've been talking a lot about thrillers and the narrative flow of boom 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 boom. I actually don't write these as often. Um, I'm writing epic fantasy a lot of the time. Um, and certainly I'll have different pacing methods in different books. Alloy of Law is very different from Way of Kings. But if I look at Way of Kings, one of my philosophies in narrative rhythm is that I want to have big chunks of story that come to a narrative end within mm. the story. Um, and I, I think I've said before on the podcast that many would consider this a bad idea. You always want to keep them pulled into the next and, and hooked. I don't do that. I say, beginning, middle, and end, we have ended this plot structure. It's okay to take a breather right here, and then we're going to start another one because it's a 400,000-word book. Nintendo yeah. recognized this when they released the Wii, which is why every 20 minutes it would throw a little thing up that says, hey, uh, why don't you put down the controller and go for a walk and get some... Fr-? I'm not kidding. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, was, it was really uh, really funny. There is a uh, website, and I forget the name of the website, uh, that basically tells you when it is okay to get up and go to the bathroom at a particular movie. <laughs> it will tell you, you know, wait for this and such a scene, and then it is safe to go to the bathroom because nothing important is going to happen. And the reason I bring this up is that you absolutely positively never want to put that in your book. Uh, I mean, you can have a chapter break where it is okay to put the book down and come back to it, but you don't want to write a scene that is okay for the reader to miss. Right. And, and actually, I was, uh, with the chapter breaks, one of the sneaky tricks that you can do to give people the the rest that they need without mm-hmm. causing them to put the book down is make sure that the rest portion is in the front or middle of a chapter. Do not put it as the last thing of your chapter because people typically will say, I'm just going to read to the end of this chapter and then they'll uh-huh. put it down. And see, here is where I disagree from the conventionalism. You were right, but I go ahead and say you can put the book down now. Well, you're writing... I'm yes. writing books mm-hmm. that big. Now, if you don't want people to put the book down, this is what you do. Exactly mm-hmm. what Mary's talking about. In fact, in Alloy of Law, I tried to do this. Or in Steelheart, where I'm writing a shorter book, 90,000 words, where I feel, I really want you just to keep on going. I try to end as many chapters as possible with one of these. A, now we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. Now let's go do this. Or the kind of cliffhanger-y sort of, sort of chapter end. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I looked at Dan, he looked like he was going to say something. Well, I was just thinking of a joke that, I'd saw on, that I saw online the other day that someone said, uh, when you're writing a thriller, always end every chapter by saying, but that would turn out to be a very bad decision, as they were about to find out, just like Dan Brown did. <sighs> Which isn't exactly how Dan Brown did it, but that's how he ends every single one of his yeah. chapters, is with something that just hooks you straight through to read it. And so even as you read it and go... This is so dumb, you can't stop because mm-hmm. right. just, and it he is, is a master of narrative rhythm, frankly. I, I, I've said before that I feel that, that, that some of those are dirty tricks, but you sometimes want to use dirty work. tricks. Yeah. They work. They, they pull you in. It's the sort of thing where it's... Um, now, we've, we've talked about this before. Let me reiterate this concept. Um, my personal philosophy on it is um, Dan Brown will do this. This is the difference between the dirty trick 
and the non-dirty trick. And sometimes you just have to use the dirty trick. The dirty trick is they open the door and then chapter ending. Um, the non-dirty trick, and this is kind of the higher level I feel if you can do it, have them open the door and the thing they find behind the door changes your understanding as a reader of what's going on in such a dramatic way you have to keep reading. Yes. yes. If what's behind the door is so fascinating you can't stop reading, then you've done a good job. Yeah. yeah. But if, if what's behind the door is super boring and you would have stopped reading if it had if the chapter had ended there, then you've just pulled a dirty trick. And a lot of the a lot of the thriller writers will do that. They open the door and and it was Larry who'd come to give them the test results of this, and then you do the boring scene yeah. mm -hmm. at the beginning mm -hmm. to get them to the end yeah. where you're going to hook them again which, to the next is, one. Is, is, it's basically the, the book equivalent of a cat scare in a movie where something yeah. jumps out and terrifies you, but it's only the cat. Wow, yeah. it's been a long time since I've read one of those books. I must have gotten good at dodging them. Yeah. I remember <laughs> reading yeah. some of those in decades past, but... Yeah, basically, whatever the cliffhanger is, whatever that that hook is, it, it just it has to the payoff has to be worth it. Yeah, and this is again the problem that people had with Lost is they felt that you know it's the there's a light under there. You open it up and oh, it's just another question. There's yeah. nothing fascinating oh. <laughs> under there. There is something more to, to get an answer for. Yeah. What's in the suitcase? Oh, an airplane. Ooh, it'll be meaningful eventually. Um, so, and this is, you know, sometimes they did a very good job yes. with this. Sometimes they did a poorer job just to keep you watching the next one. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Book of the week, Mr. Wells. Our book of the week this week, we realized as we were going back through our archives that we had never, at least not that we've recorded, um, promoted Lloyd Alexander. He's one of the great masters of young adult and middle grade fantasy. He's one of some, you know, the first fantasy book I read to myself after my dad read me The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings was The Book of Three, which is the first of the Prydain Chronicles. And um, one of my favorite books of all time is actually Tar and Wanderer, the fourth book in that series. But we want you to go out and read The Book of Three. It is middle grade, it's incredibly simple, but I recently reread them to my kids and loved them every bit as much as I did when I was a kid. So. Uh, head over to Audible, uh, audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. Start yourself a free 30-day trial membership and pick up Lloyd Alexander's The Book of Free, The Book of Three for free. For free. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, and then uh, for the rest of that trial, I think everything you pick up from Audible is 30% off. What a so deal. So you can get the whole series. You could get the whole series at a steep, well, 30% off discount. That's steep for a highway. <laughs> All right. is really steep for a highway. Um, one of the things that I found uh, interesting, when Mary was talking about her outlining 
uh, was that the outline that she wrote for the story was uh, had no indication of the chapter structure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that the chapter structure was what built pacing, and the outline was his own tool. I mean, outline suggests right. pacing, but it did not say chapter one this happens, chapter two that happens. Right. She that paced it later. in the moment. Yeah. Um, and that, that actually brings me to my next big question, which is um, I'm sure there are listeners out there thinking, okay, that's well and good. How do I do this? I have no sense of this. This is just one of those things that's feeling very overwhelming to me right now as a, as a writer. How? Do you have any advice for the writer who wants to learn narrative rhythm but doesn't have a sense for it? So there's this theory called rising action and falling action. Okay. Um, rising action are things that ramp up the tension. Mm-hmm. And falling action are things that uh, are resting periods. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to put that into play depends on the type of story you're writing. Yep. Um, but let's, oh, let's see. Uh, can anyone besides me help me with a good pop culture example of some... Um, besides you? Because, I mean, if you action? can do it, then you should help you. <laughs> well, I can come up with examples, but I'm, I'm having trouble coming up with one that's pop culture. Um, okay, well, so in, in Avengers, which, mm -hmm. which I just saw, um, an example of, of rising action uh, is, is literally the moment when the, the ship takes off. Mm -hmm. um, that is, that's, that's very, very literal rising action. Um, and they have been ramping up the tension all, the, all along. Yes. And then, then we have a moment of falling action, which is the meeting. The right. meeting continues to move things forward, but it is it is not uh, physical, literal action. Right. Uh, another good one from the Avengers is they're ramping up the tension between all of them. Mm -hmm. The different personalities and egos are getting big, and you feel that it's just... And I like this one because it's not necessarily, you know, the, the rising action is not always a fight. Right. It's gearing up to something's going to snap. Something's going to go wrong. I can feel it. Oh, no, and then it does, and everything, you know, the, the proverbial all hell breaks loose. Mm -hmm. um, and, and what's actually beautiful about that one is that there is a brief moment of falling action, which is yeah. uh, Dr. Banner put down the... Yeah, put, put down, down the, the scepter. Put down yeah. the scepter, and he does. And mm -hmm. you're like, oh, okay. we had our climax, and the we're fall No, we're not! Everything! Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's the moment of, it's the calm before the storm, yep. which is one of the things that that can do for you. So mm -hmm. when you're trying to implement this in your own fiction... You are looking for a balance, and I mean, I can throw out numbers and say you want 70% rising right. action, and you know, <laughs> but that's not actually helpful. This is where you have to have people, when you're learning this, where you have yeah. to have audience members read it for you and tell you where they are getting bored. And you know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to say, since you said that, where they're getting bored, I read a lot of student fiction. Mm -hmm. um, I teach the class. Most of the time, the students are putting in too much falling and mm -hmm. not enough rising. Yes. Um, they are not as good at ratcheting up the tension as they are at having people stand around and chat. Mm -hmm. um, and you can have tension whilst people are standing yes. around and chatting, but you need to add on the pressure and you need to keep things rising. Yes. A, a quick trick that you can do, and a thing that I do in some of my books, is look at each scene. You know, this works after you've done something or even in the planning stages. Look at each scene and try to tag it with a single emotion. Oh, mm. yeah, that's interesting. And then make sure that, A, you don't have two identical emotions next to each other. You don't want anger and anger right next to each mm -hmm. other, or wonder and wonder. You want to separate anger and then wonder, and then inquisitive, and then sad, and then tense. You know, spread those out and get a good mix of them. 
the um, along those lines, when you're you're looking at rhythm and pacing, um, the the speed at which you do these things and the length at which scenes last, a lot of that is going to depend on the length of the overall work. The the analogy that I use is is a clothesline. Uh, in a short story, you're hold, trying to hold tension, um, and it's a short piece of cord, and you can get it pretty tight so that it's nice straight line with with just your hands. If you're trying to stretch it all the way across the room, you're going to need to you know put a lot more tension on it, and sometimes you will need things in the middle to help support it. And in the middle are sometimes those places where um, where, where you take a moment to let readers take stock and understand what's happening. Um, you know the We've been having lots and lots and lots of action, and now people are going to stop and kind of explain what's going on, and then go forward again. Right, right. Um, and that's those taking stock moments are things that you don't need in short fiction as much. Every right. now and then you do, but right. So this is this is this is more a novel thing. It yeah. really is mm -hmm. um, because. Basically, your short fiction, and people keep asking about it, so we should probably talk more about short mm -hmm. fiction. My experience has been, you want to have, like, basically those, those emotions, you're going to pick one or two. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have that emotion build to its climax. And that's going to be basically the finish of your story. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, that's one big dividing line. In a novel, you would have that build to a climax, have another emotion for a while, and then start ratcheting up. Yeah. Now, one thing that we have, we talk about a lot but haven't defined for a while is scene-sequel format, mm. which is where you have a scene, and then the next scene is actually a sequel to it, where yeah. it, it, rather than standing on its own, it's a chance to take stock or to look back, to re-examine what's happened, and then move on to the next phase, phase of the story. I don't, I, I'm not saying that you know, your book should be a long string of scene-sequel, 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 but... Make sure to put those sequels in. Yeah, a lot well, of your chapters will have a sequel chapter to yeah, it. And mm -hmm. I, when I look at scene sequel format, I, uh, I realize that early in the book, it's usually you know scene, sequel, scene, sequel, scene, sequel. Um, but towards the end of the book, it's often sequel, scene, 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 sequel, scene, 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 sequel, scene. Mm -hmm. uh, because you're getting explosion. to the end. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're getting to the end and there's a, there's a big explosion. When we, first, when, you, when we first started talking about this as a narrative rhythm, you know, I'm musically trained, composition major. Uh, I look at scene-sequel format. That's not the, the be-all, end-all of narrative rhythm. That is the kick drum and snare drum of backbeat rock and roll narrative rhythm. Uh, many of these other things that we've talked about are uh, the, the other percussion instruments that a good drummer will, will bring to play. Um, and the key that we happen to be in that tell us where we are in the song. Um, maybe that musical metaphor isn't working for anybody besides well, actually, me, but it's I'm, helping me understand it. Yeah, and I'm actually really glad you brought that up because this gets to the heart of why this is so hard to teach because it is a matter of personal taste. Yeah. Some people like books that are very, very quickly paced, mm -hmm. and some people like things that are slower. And, and so when someone is trying to tell you how to do this, yeah. It's not something that we can teach because it depends on what you like to read. And there are, there are sequences in some of my books where I ratchet for like 70,000 words mm -hmm. uh, before we have... <laughs> that's an entire book for me. Yeah, and that's an yeah. entire book in a lot of genres. There's an entire book in some of my other series. Mm -hmm. But this is, you know, we're building this, 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 we're building this. Boom! And mm -hmm. that's part of an epic fantasy sort of yeah. thing. Well, and... and it's important to say, I think, that even if you're trying to do that, if you're trying to do a lot of building over time, mm -hmm. uh, you can very 
the kind of intensity. Yes, they have you different can. flavors. One of my favorite episodes of the Battlestar Galactica series was the boxing episode, which, you know, they'd been running from bad guys for yes. episodes and episodes and episodes. And then they had an episode that was just a boxing match between all the characters, and it was a little tournament. And it was not slow. It was an incredibly tense episode, mm-hmm. but it was all very internal character relationship mm-hmm. tension rather than we're being hunted by monsters tension. All right, let's go ahead and do our book of the week. You mean writing prompt? Writing prompt. <laughs> Twice in a row. I think it might be time for us to take a yeah. talk about falling action. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so writing prompt. Um, so for your writing prompt, what I want you to do is take a classic fairy tale mm-hmm. and write it once so that it's all rising action and once where you insert two pieces of falling action. Okay. That's very clinical. That is very clinical. It's okay. Good practice for you, fair listener. This has been Writing Excuses. And if you write that, someday it might be our book of the week. (laughs) 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 That's what I meant. Writing Excuses. (laughs) So am I. Go write. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, And I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. 